Here we go. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate and John. And John, today we are going to recap UFC Fight Night Singapore. What a main event, what a finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we will set you guys up with our picks and predictions for this weekend's UFC Fight Night Petty, which is headlined by Surreal Gone versus Sergey Spivak. And also features a bang a banger, excuse me, in the women's flyweight division with Rose Nama Yunus versus Manon Fior. And finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts, including a pretty big update on the former, now former, Bantamweight champion mm-hmm. Aljamain Sterling. We'll talk about that in the news and more as always. But first, John, how we doing? Episode 148 of the Knee on Belly Podcast. It's an early one, baby. Yes, it is. So UFC uh, Singapore just wrapped up less than 40 minutes ago, probably. Um, And we are taking advantage of a rare uh, Saturday afternoon being able to get the pod knocked out, not having to do it on a Sunday afternoon. Um, you gotta love it. This yeah. is a win for the boys here. Yeah, big win. A <laughs> uh, little rough on your day off getting off, getting up at eight o'clock. But yeah. Hey, we're here. We're gonna be able to knock it out. I'm here for it. Man, I'll tell you what. I will take eight a.m. pay per views. <laughs> I'm I. Here's the thing. Like, I'm not a morning person per se. Like, right. But eight a.m. I literally set my alarm for eight a.m. Perfect time for me. Like that's I can get up. I'm up. I feel good. Mm-hmm. Get some coffee in me. I watch the fights. Uh, it's just a good time, man. Yeah. I, I love this. Um, I'm here for more Asia cards, if that's what this means. Yeah. No, I I'll mean, once I sit into it, I was like, oh, man, this isn't really all that bad. No. I mean, I'm not like hyper, like a super hype until the fight. Because like we missed like a lot of the big finishes early. At, sure. That happened at 530 card. in the morning. Now, that's I'm, that I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that into it. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, it would take like a banger on the undercard for me. Uh, you know, to get up that early for sure. Yeah, one thing that I uh, I had tweeted because um, I was out I was out on these Twitter streets even though it was early and we got a lot of interaction. I loved it. Um, but I said I basically was talking about how like although I'm like up early and I'm kind of groggy, this is like the reality for the rest of the world that are MMA yeah. fans. Oh, I know. So like I couldn't imagine you know what it would like to be as dedicated we are as fans and even doing Dude. the podcast, but having to wake up on the hours that the rest of the world oh. does. Good Lord, man. I mean, it does give you a lot of respect, you know, for the rest of the world. I mean, think of, like, over in, like, even just the UK, right? Like, we're sitting here, like, groping when a card goes to, like, 2 a.m. because we're in our 30s and it's tough to stay up that late. We've worked 50-plus hours or 40-plus hours a week um, and we're tired. But then you got people over and just in the UK and stuff, they're staying. I mean, that's, like, 5, 6 a.m. for them. Right. You know, because they're five hours ahead of us here um, on Eastern Standard Time. And it's just like, gosh, man, I... Yeah, I don't envy that. Um, I'm happy to carry the load for this week, and uh, right. we're down to do more of it for what it's worth to yeah. the rest of the world. Especially if you're going to have cards like this, man. Yeah, great card. Speaking of which, let's talk about it. But before we do, John, rate, sub, follow. I will tell you, you called it Twitter. It's now X. So keep I'm that in mind school, as you're man. doing the rate, sub, follow. Let yeah. the people know. Uh, everybody who's on you're X, still old school. Uh, TikTok, <laughs> YouTube, uh, Neon Belly. Or on X, it's Neon Belly Pod. But on all the rest of our socials, TikTok, um, Instagram, YouTube, Neon Belly Podcast, uh, give us a follow there. We post a lot of content on X. I'm out there. Tweeting all is it still is it Xing now? I don't even know. I'm Xing on X. Uh <laughs> how sad is it though that one day there's gonna be a meme 
and it's going to be the blue bird, right? The little like Twitter icon, yeah. and it's going to say, if she doesn't know what this is, she's too young for right. you. And, like, oh, that's geez, so man. sad. That's so sad. <laughs> so we're on there. Um, but if you're listening now on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a five-star review. You can leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out a ton. We're just trying to keep pushing stuff up so we can keep on reaching people. Um, from the activities that we have been getting when people do interact with us, we've seen how things grow. So we just love to get some more of that so we can keep doing things for you guys. Also got a live show. Um, our, obviously now, I wouldn't say, I mean, well, it has been monthly just because of these uh, pay-per-views. Yeah, the frequency of the pay-per-views. But uh, do have our live kickback episode coming up, not this Friday, but the next Friday for UFC 293 over on the MMA Underground. Um, as always, make sure you're following them at the UG on all the socials there as well. Um, a lot of good content up there, including um, our kickback episodes. Mm-hmm. I've done, you know, obviously fighter interviews over there. John Morgan does fighter interviews over there. So make sure you're staying up to date. We're coming up. Can't wait for another kickback episode. John, though, we got to talk about it. UFC Singapore and in our main event, Max West Holloway defeats the Korean Zombie via third round knockout. Uh, Like I said, what a fight. What a finish. Uh, And I said it last week, you know, no matter what happened in this fight, I just hope that the zombie, you know, went out on his shield um, and that he did. Came out in that third round and looked to me like a guy who had no interest in seeing championship rounds in his potential last mixed martial arts fight. Uh, He did land a couple of big shots there on Holloway before the finish, but then Max just kind of loops that right hand, lands flush, and the zombie falls hard, man. Um Honestly, cannot say enough how fun this fight was while it lasted. Mm-hmm. Um, but Max, as most of us kind of thought would, showing his levels doesn't mean though that Zombie didn't have his moments. I was really impressed with some of the striking yeah, there. But first again, round especially, it just shows, man. Like I mean, Max is like the Hawaiian Zombie almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just crazy. These guys both too crazy. Uh, in terms of chins and just attrition and stuff, but you know the zombies obviously kind of fading a little bit here, right. and I think that's what we saw uh, from me too. The speed of Max Holloway just seemed to be on another level tonight. I mean, in that first round, I think it was a close round. Honestly, could have went either way. Yeah. The zombie did land a couple really nice shots and actually kind of had Turn Max a little hurt. Yeah. yeah, but dude, the counter shot that Max Holloway landed, I didn't even see it. Yeah, I just saw zombie start like doing the like chest jolting. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, holy, hey, what did he throw? And then you know they showed it in slow mo the counter shot. But dude, can't say enough about both of these guys. But you know, even more so, can't say enough about Max blessed Holloway. Oh here. man, I uh, what's funny is because obviously you know round one's very close back and forth. I don't know if Max foreseen getting the you know zombie being able to get in on him to land some of them shots. I don't know. But if you're a zombie, you had nothing to lose. No. You know. Um, round two, he hurts him. Felt like he kind of let him off the hook a little bit, just kind of seeing what would happen after he hurt him. Mm-hmm. Then he tried the choke, obviously, which was pretty tight at one yeah. point. You know, but the zombie is the zombie. I mean, yeah. I don't know how choky it was. A weird position. Um, it's like the neck was. Cranked. I think it was more of a yeah. neck crank, which to me even more so because a choke. Somebody puts you out with a choke. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. Um, but for the zombie man to sit in that position and have his neck cranked in that manner, um, as to where it may not have been super choky, but to mm-hmm. be able to just sit there, I mean, forget about it, man. Yeah. I mean, I, dude, if somebody like sprawls on me too hard my neck hurts for like a week dude like oh, I, dude. so i can't imagine uh what the zombie's gonna be feeling in the next and, days and that. then you know uh, i seen i think it was jamal hill tweeted out that 
Korean Zombie was mad that he didn't go for the finish after mm-hmm. he heard him. So he was like, if you don't finish me, I'm going to finish you. And that's what the third round was. Yeah. He came out forward pressure. Yeah. It was like button mashing on the game. Like, I'm running out of energy, so I'm going to just try to knock you out. Right. And not a lot of people get in those with somebody like Korean Zombie and come yeah. out on the winning side. But Max Bless is Max Bless. I mean, that guy. Yeah. Even in the heat of that moment, times out, steps back, throws the right hand, and just sends Korean Zombie's body like flopping to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, you think about the Zombies episode, and there's not too many times where we've seen that visual, right, of him Mm -hmm. going down, Um, which, again, uh, you can't under... you know, you don't want to short sell Max at all on this, but you also have to understand it's just an aging zombie, right? Even right. we talked about it in the Volk fight a little bit, and I think that's a little bit of what we're seeing. And obviously, you know, both guys coming into this fight with uh, such different emotions, but very mm-hmm. emotional for both guys. Obviously, you know, Max with the fires in Maui and the zombie coming in knowing that this may be his last fight. I mean, I really think, and I think we need to appreciate it, is I think the UFC just did an incredible job lifting up and shining a light on both men for what, you know, for their different right. causes and things they're coming in for. You know, selling the UFC Hawaii shirts and having Max wear the red shorts in support of the first responders there in Hawaii. Um, just a really nice touch by Max and the UFC to do that. Um, and then for zombie, uh, we did get the retirement in the cage, as, as most of us believe we would, um, especially mm-hmm with a loss um and i thought they did an amazing job paying tribute to him you know we've talked about that in the past um is sometimes especially like if this fight happens in the apex which in 2023 there's a really good chance that the zombies last fight could have been in the apex so thank god it wasn't right um and thank god he got this opportunity and this chance to have the crowd singing zombie i mean dude it just gives me goosebumps just thinking about it they gave him his time in there and then followed him all the way to the back. You know, the crowd serenading him one more time with the Cranberry song. Um, and then the video package that they played after just kind of as a tribute. You know, we saw mm-hmm. it with Robbie Lawler. They probably maybe attended to play that in the cage, but the way it played out, perfect, man. Oh, I mean, dude. again, I'm literally getting like goosebumps as I'm talking about it, but uh, just the silence of it, but then just, you know, just paying respect, allowing him that moment. Um, and, um, Talking fights to me at this point with this podcast is kind of easy, right? I, I'm really good at talking about fights. I think we all are pretty comfortable with right. it. doesn't mean we're always right. I'll say that. <laughs> uh, but one thing that I still find and to me is incredibly tough is talking about guys' careers and legacies when they end. Mm-hmm. Um, and none harder, man, than the Korean Zombie who obviously never achieved UFC gold. Um, and it's not the names or the guys on his records in terms of like the wins and losses that he's fought. It's always been about the performances for the Korean zombie. Um, and a guy who much like tonight left a part of himself in that cage every time he went out and fought for us fans. Um, and always delivered just some of the funnest performances, funnest fights we've ever seen, memorable finishes, um, and just cannot thank him enough for uh, what he's done and putting his body and his, you know, chin mm-hmm. every time he's out there on the line for us fans just to entertain. So yeah, and I mean, super shout out to the Singapore crowd because they, oh, dude, yeah. listen, when you Killed talk about it. goosebumps on the entrance, I was just like, I couldn't imagine what it felt like standing yeah. being in this. Like if I was, you know, we we talked about like um, in our group chat about you know being at historical situations. Sure. I would have loved to have been there oh, with yeah. that crowd going crazy, but then at the end. I don't think we've ever had a better like send off yeah, in the K. Like, that's a good point. I mean, that might rank up there. And honestly, it, it's if I try, I don't know if I could name five MMA moments that were better than that. Yeah. Like the, as he's leaving, you know he, you know, 
went out with a headshot as a, yeah. like a zombie type of thing. They're singing the song, and he gets to hear that as he's walking out. He's yeah. smiling. Like most people don't get that. No. No, and, and it's one of the greatest MMA moments to me. I know, man, and that's what just bums me out about sometimes with these Apex. Again, I can't say it enough because I'm just so glad that we're not sitting here and that was the last time we saw him in front of 70 maybe UFC fans in the Apex, yeah. right? But seeing him standing on the canvas there, yeah, as you mentioned, even on the walkout um, and just kind of <sighs> taking that all in was awesome. And and even to the crowd's credit, there wasn't a boo to be had for either of these men. When mm -mm. Ma Max got the same reception, man, right. uh, before and after the fight, I just think it was a very educated crowd and, and that people that understood the moment, right, for mm -hmm. both men and what it meant. And uh, yeah, man, just awesome. And awesome. for the Korean zombie, man, the guys fought everybody. Um, yeah. unfortunately, you know, he had the thing where he had to take the break for the military sure. that kind of stunted some of his momentum, but he's got, you know, a, a couple title shots, some fights with the biggest people beat Frankie Edgar, um, obviously had that fight with the a year. That's going to, yeah. it's going to be in the hall of fame with, along as I feel like he will be just because of the, the fights he's been it's into, crazy. man. Yeah. It's, um, it, not, not a lot of people get knocked out and get to leave. Yeah. You know, on that on that term, so I'm, I'm yeah. That's a good for point. Him. I do wonder. I, I'm trying to remember that Yair fight, man. I wonder if that is one that we may see go into oh, the Hall dude. of Fame. You know, like the, even the finish was just so crazy, but it was just such a war that yeah. I think if you know, even if you want to look at the zombies' career and say, you know, I know like DC's a big guy of like you know, hey, respect these guys, but we don't get into the and and, and to some extent, I will say to DC's credit, I do agree. Like. But I also feel it's tough, man, because mixed martial arts is so different. And I feel mm -hmm. like it's it's not always about titles and wins and losses. And sometimes it is about these guys, these rare breeds like the zombie that maybe their career and what they've done deserves a little bit more recognition. But I do think if nothing else, I think you bring up an excellent point of that Yair fight could get him in yeah. the Hall of Fame just off that. Alone. I think that, I mean, obviously you have the twister. There's only yeah. three other, two other guys that's ever done that. He was the first one. You have the Yair fight. You have, you know, some good wins. Yeah. And then even, you know, just his legacy of who he is as a fighter sure. and what he's done for Asian MMA. Yeah. You know, he, he put a big spotlight on that and he was kind of the person that was carrying that flag for a while. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I know real quick, one more thing, and I, even back to the crowd, I guess I'm going here, but you know, I know there was a lot of, you know, they tried to do this in South Korea. It didn't work. Um, I don't think you would even in South Korea. I don't think it could have been even 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 mm -hmm. any more perfect. It seemed like there was a lot of South Korean support there yeah. for him. So even just to be in Asia, but to have that support, what a send off. Yeah. Um, and but here we are, John. We got to talk about this as well. Off another Max Holloway win, talking about what could be next for Blessed. Right, um, coming off the last win over Arnold Allen. That's we had the same conversation, right. and then the zombie fight kind of materialized out of nowhere and. You know, everybody was kind of like, eh, whatever, we'll do it. So glad it happened now. I think <laughs> yeah. we can all agree as mixed martial arts fans, no matter how you felt about this fight, sitting here today on a Monday, we're all happy that we got to witness that and that that happened. Case closed there. I'm glad right. that happened. But <laughs> I don't know how many more opportunities like this Max has at mm -hmm. 145 pounds. If we are to assume that Ilya Toporia... To Toporia, let me make sure I say that right, right? Don't want to get butchered again. <laughs> uh, if, but if we are to assume that Ilya Toporia is next for Volk, um, then in theory, Max could again wait and see what happens in that fight. Mm -hmm. If Toporia wins, you know, he could go fight Ilya. Um, but I feel now more than ever, 
what a perfect time for Max to go up and try out the lightweight division. You know, for all that he's accomplished at featherweight, this fight and this win would be a perfect way to close out that chapter of his career and mm -hmm. seek new challenges 10 pounds heavier, 10 pounds north at the lightweight division. I mean, I just, I don't understand. I don't, I, I don't know what could be left for him than to maybe fight Ilya Taporia, which, okay, cool. And then Volt goes up and now the division's maxes again. You know what I right. mean? Like, just a good, this is just a, what a exclamation mark you can put on your featherweight legacy and move right. on. Right. Yeah, and it becomes interesting because, you know, sometimes we see this in other sports where it's like you can stay on this team that's not going to win the championship right. ever again, but you'll be the best person to ever have been right. on that team. Or you can go somewhere else and have a chance at a ring. Yeah. And this kind of feels like that where, it, you know, say even if – Ilya doesn't win there's a chance that Volkanovski still goes up sure. and you do have like an Aljamain who wants to come up who could be a fight for you or you could just completely run the division again yeah. now you're hands down not even debatable the best featherweight ever to live I don't know man he's gonna have it even even if Max had a second like say that played out like say Volk went up um it, and committed and never came back to featherweight and Max did achieve or you know reach that championship status again at featherweight I still don't know if he'd pass Volk. Well, I'm saying if he gets it runs three four more fights you it's know just tough. it's tough it yeah. is tough because volk has those three wins right. over him and every time it's not like every time you look like izzy whitaker right every time they fought it's gotten a little closer um but not the case in that fight it's right. actually there's been a bigger separation every time max and volk have fought um well there might be a little bit of fear of Volk following him up and it's like, nah, I can't get away from this guy. But I think you could make a case at that point in them fighting again. It's not, yeah. it's not like a huge deal. And, and I think for even Max, you know, Volk, if he goes up, I think will obviously not, I don't think he would obviously go up for, for a championship fight. It's not like he's going up to face uh, Justin Gaethje. Right. But, I mean, you're not sitting here telling me today. I mean, yeah, for Max, it's wide open. Give yeah. me Max Holloway and Justin Gaethje for a number one contender. Are you kidding me? You yeah, no, I mean? I mean. I just I just think there's so many possibilities for him, and he doesn't even have to go straight up for a title opportunity. You know, right. if Volk goes up and that happens and it materializes, he beats a Justin Gaethje and Volk beats Islam or whatever after the Oliveira mm -hmm. or Oliveira, whoever's holding the title. Um who knows, man? Yeah, maybe they do fight again at lightweight, but... Well, and I do think 55 is the more realistic chance for him to ever get the Connor fight again, too. Man, there's that. That's another thing. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell me you wouldn't love to see oh, that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's just... That's what I'm saying. Like, he could have a whole... We've talked about it before on the podcast is uh, fighters having whole second careers. Max could literally have act two, a mm -hmm. whole second career at lightweight. He's only like 31 years old, 32, right. something like that. I mean, he's not super old. Um, kind of a guy... This is usually when we see fighters enter their prime. I mean, it's just crazy to think, but he's probably like 42 in fighting years. Like, I think right. they said he had 30 fights, which is just crazy for a yeah. guy that young. 30 fights... <laughs> Never been dropped. Obviously, he's been hit yeah. plenty of times. Oh, you um, go back to that Poirier fight. I mean, yeah. his one lightweight fight. The fact he didn't go down in that is just right. crazy. So there, there's definitely something to that. It'll just depend on you know what, he, how he sees the outlook of everything and his opportunities and what they offer him. In our co-main event, John Anthony Lionheart Smith defeats Ryan Span via split decision. A super close fight here, Anthony mm -hmm. Smith. Great round one, um, and then Span cracks Anthony Smith with a big left hand in round two that uh, did some serious damage mm -hmm. to Anthony Smith. Uh, kind of sat Smith down there. Uh, Span did stay very patient, made sure not to put himself in bad spots, kind of like in that first fight, and as we've seen in his career, um, especially as he followed Smith down to the ground there. Um, 
but it's hard to say this, but maybe a little too patient for say. Ryan Span, Especially um, in that third. Yeah, man, you could argue that he kind of let Smith off the hook there in the second round. You know, he calls him back to his feet, and then he just doesn't get busy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. That That's a little tough. That's tough. I feel like he's going to watch that one back and kind of be a little frustrated with himself there. Um, yeah, and then in round three, razor close, man. Super, I mean, literally, I you could give that round to either guy, um, but... At the end of the day, two of the three judges thought Smith did enough to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that Span let off the gas a little bit in that third. Yeah, I agree. and was sought, he, he kind of caught himself just standing there while Smith was throwing two or three punches to keep him away from that eye and stay busy. Um, I thought that first round was probably the best I've seen Anthony Smith. Yeah, I agree. And maybe ever. Yeah, I, I mean, the leg kicks, the calf kicks were there. He was landing big lefts and rights, got the takedown, had some top control. Like, yeah. he's never looked better than that, I feel like. And then round two, Ryan Spann comes with that equalizer, yeah. a left hand that at first I thought he broke that orbital because the way that yeah. this. Smith was reacting, and I, in my head, I was just like, "Dude, this dude has the he worst still might luck." Have. Yeah, yeah, we um, won't know. And you know, you know, some of the worry was like, what mentally spaces you know Anthony Smith in because we've seen him struggle the past yeah. couple fights. And I thought in that third round, he really picked himself back up, mm-hmm. got right back on that. Uh, obviously, he had to protect that eye a little bit, but when he wasn't covering up, he was doing his best to attack. And I think that's what got him the edge in the third round. Yeah, you know, I, I know last week I had kind of said, like, I just don't know where Anthony Smith is, man. Mentally, he seems a little off. Something's definitely up. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. He definitely shut me up on that. You know, had every opportunity um, to, to have a way out of this fight, right? But he kept fighting, which I guess in some extent, it's not that I ever thought he wasn't tough or wouldn't do that, right? I mean, go back to that Glover fight. I'll never forget that beating. Right. This is what Anthony Smith does. He's always tough, even in these performances where I'm like, eh, I don't really know. But we just need to see some consistency now. Right. This, if, if, if fighting for a championship, again, is what Anthony Smith wants, we just have to start seeing this be a little bit more consistent for him. Mm-hmm. He said he needs to go back, think about what's next. To me, I think what makes the most sense at this point is a matchup with Khalil Roundtree. You know, mm, I feel like yeah. in terms of the rankings where both guys are, that fight makes a ton of sense. Obviously, um, him and uh, Dustin Jacoby are teammates, so it's not like they can fight. You know, Jacoby's another guy kind of waiting for a dance partner there. Um, but to me, him and Khalil Roundtree would just make it ton of sense at this point yeah the only person i could think of that doesn't have an opponent right now is alexander rakic we don't know when he's going to be mm-hmm. back and then nikita krolov yeah maybe yeah you might be right i think he's the only one but nikita krolov is ranked above him and he's probably looked to fight up as well so i would love to see him in Khalil roundtree man yeah and for span man i was thinking this i really think Ryan's man should consider a move up to heavyweight. I think a fresh start like that in his career would be huge for him right now. You know, I think he has the power for it. I think he has the frame for it. And now sitting here on two straight losses to top 10 opposition at light heavyweight, it's going to be a long road back for him at 32 years old. Um, and I say for him at this point, why not give it a shot? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because like I said, I think there's very few light heavyweights. Not, I shouldn't go that far, but, um, you know, in terms of just the power and frame, right, that I think could go up right away and compete. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Ryan Spann's one that could, man. I really do. Yeah, the power there and then the submission skills. There's not very many yeah. heavyweights that bring that level of grappling. Well, and I think that, I, I just think that yeah, that's kind of my thing is I feel like the grappling, which which Ryan Spann's not a bad grappler. I'm not saying no. that at all. But at the heavyweight division, he could just focus. He wouldn't have to worry about it. He could just focus more on letting the hands go, right. being as dynamic, as strong, as big as possible, putting on a little bit more muscle. 
I mean, yeah. I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> you look at his yeah. frame, but uh, I just I say, why not, man? I mean, yeah, especially point, when you look at. I mean, you don't know how that matches up with like the Sergey Pavloviches, but like a Tom Aspinall, that build if he puts on a little bit of muscle, that yeah. build is kind of similar, and even the fighting style of being more loose, not being just like sit down power heavy. Sure. And then, uh, you know, obviously he doesn't have to focus on it, but that guillotine's going to be there yeah. all day, and that's that's still an X-Factor move regardless of what weight class he's in. Couldn't agree more. Our next fight, John, Giga Chigadze, defeats Alex Caceres via unanimous decision. 30-27 uh, on all three judges' scorecards, and I completely disagree with that. I felt like Caceres won round one pretty handedly on my in my book. Mm -hmm. um, Giga came out, man, a little stiff and flat, in my opinion, uh, which is definitely, I guess, to be expected given the time off. Not a super shocker there, um, but Caceres landing the better shots and creating some funky angles as well in that first round, I thought. Um, and then I felt rounds two and three were razor close, but I did give both to Giga. You know, I felt like mm -hmm. every minute this fight went on, he got a little bit more comfortable was finding his timing a little bit um as he started in and letting the hands go especially on the counter shots i felt like he really got his timing down by the end um i thought he had his biggest shots and biggest success landing off the counter uh landed some shots that probably would have put a lot of guys mm -hmm. away if i'm being honest so credit to alex caceres for taking those um Giga also kind of started getting busier with the kicks as the fight went on. But yeah, very meaningful minutes for a returning Giga Chikadze um, and definitely something that he can build off here for the next one. Yeah, I, I remember tweeting out um, that, you know, the first round was close. It seemed like every time Giga was landing something, it was moving Caceres and Caceres was landing the volume. And, you know, we've been talking about this whole damage versus volume thing with how the judges see things. And I think that's what you're seeing in the scorecards is although Caceres was in in all these exchanges, he was still getting his stuff off. Yeah, um, I think it was just those counters and the big shots were moving Caceres, especially in those later rounds, and it, it just does something to you know the damage side of it. Um, I thought Giga definitely, you could tell that he'd been out for a year that first round. He has, it took him a minute to find his range, and Caceres was just all yeah. over the place pushing that pace on him. But I mean, good win for Giga here. I mean, Caceres is a very tough fight. Yeah, he's shown a lot of improvement. So, and yeah, I was just gonna get what I was laughing at as soon as you mentioned is I can't get over his post fight. Oh, yeah. Giga, Giga times back. Yeah, you back. know, I'm just not going to. Is that a psych? What do you say? Giga sh oh, the Giga show's back? Yeah. I said I can't remember. It's just yet. funny seeing somebody like try to do like this whole, oh, I think I might retire. No, I'm not. I'm back, and you guys got to get ready for me. Yeah, I did see as well, Right, literally right before we started recording, Ariel Hawani reported that uh, according to Caceres' manager, uh, he broke his forearm. The very first kick that Giga threw in the first Ooh. round, um, he broke his forearm. Um, and this is also the first decision that Alex Caceres has ever lost. So credit to Caceres, man. Again, taking some big shots there and then now knowing that he broke his forearm. And he and, blocked a lot more kicks with that yeah, arm. Yeah, that just tells you, man, I think he looks good. I was, I'm was, i I'm honestly, because rounds two and three were so close, man. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't have been shocked by Caceres. 30-27 kind of blew me away. Yeah. I was like, how do you not give Caceres that first round? But whatever. Um, I don't know that it would have mattered in the grand scheme of things. But I'm like, man, if Caceres wins this... You got to give him like top 10 because he's yeah. such a veteran, man. He's been around. It's not like you got to take your time with this guy. And he, like you said, he thought he looked really good and had some nice moments. So I don't think he loses a lot of stock here. I don't um, either. Because I hope he's still he a, a good fight. And, you know, one thing about him, and you could tell he's in, in just a different place in fighting, this dude was smiling the whole I time. Like <laughs> I even tweeted out, like, who's happier than Alex Caceres right now in Singapore while we're watching at 10 a.m.? Yeah. Like, this guy uh, was just having fun, very loose in there, never really. 
um, any none of the shots really like bothered him. Mm-hmm. They were just moving him. Yes, yeah, no, I agree. But uh, yeah, I hope he doesn't get knocked off that 15th spot, man. But again, featherweight's so tough that mm-hmm. you kind of got to keep winning to stay up there. Uh, the next fight we're going to talk about, John, and this is a big one. Aaron Blanchfield defeats Tyler Santos via unanimous decision. 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards. Um, okay, so let me say this. I think I... This fight's interesting, man. I, I think I need your help on this fight. Okay. Um, because I'm having a hard time discerning if this was just a slow start for Aaron Blanchfield. Um, because in round one, man, she got pieced up, right? Yeah. And it, it seemed like it was going to be a long night for Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, she could not get the takedown, which she did struggle with. Um, this whole fight, getting the fight to the ground. So credit to Santos, who um, had phenomenal defense and counter-wrestling with you know some short elbows in there to try to fight off some takedowns even. Um, but the reason I say slow start is because in terms of control on the cage in rounds two through three, she dominated that, yeah. right? And it's probably what won her the fight. Um, Santos just had no answer to stop uh, the shots in terms of getting her cage or her back off the cage, mm-hmm. right? She needed to get her back off the cage, and she doesn't really seem to have an answer of that. You know, so was it a slow start? Or the other thought I have is, um, is Santos the better... <laughs> Because I felt like Santos was the better fighter. I still feel that. I f- and maybe Aaron Blanchfield got the win. Kind of got away with one, but got got the lesson, but got the win. You know what I mean? Um, because now she's truly faced a top contender. Um, but I don't know. I just I feel like round one was just so one-sided. And all the striking was one-sided, really, for that matter, in my opinion. Um, but even in the grappling, the only battle... To me, the Aaron Blanchfield really won was holding her against the cage, mm-hmm. um, and she basically won the fight on that alone. I guess you know what I mean. So yeah. I don't know. Is, I guess the truth is like, is that a bit harsh for me to be thinking? Because I feel like she won like ten in terms of like all fighting, right? Like the whole scale of mixed martial arts, she won ten percent of it, but most of the fight played out there. So mm-hmm. credit to her. You know what I mean? It's right. just tough. I don't know. Well, I, this is what I will say. Um, Aaron Blanchfield ran into a buzzsaw the first half of that first round for sure. Yeah. Like everything that. Santos was hitting her with was hurting her. She couldn't get in. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I, I even tweeted out after that first round, like toward the end of it and into the beginning of the second, is like what you said. Santos has to continue that forward pressure. Be reckless because you know you're landing because whenever your back gets against that cage, yeah. you're not able to get off of it. And I thought that, you know, and this is just like a small thing, but she caught herself in bad positions when – they would break, and Talia Santos would try to adjust her sports bra, pull it down. Mm-hmm. And as she's doing that, Aaron Blanchfield is basically just running at her I full speed, it. pushing her into the cage, and then working her grappling, you know, her clinch stuff against the cage, small stuff like that. So, but there was also a big turning point. I think it was in the second round where Santos went for a takedown. Blanchfield lands on top of her, and then she has to work the rest of the round to get her up. And we yeah. see, and we see that sometimes where people try something, it doesn't work. <laughs> Shout out to Blanchfield there too, using some Sao Paulo pass, right, to get past the legs of uh, Santos. I just thought that was cool. You don't see that in mixed martial yeah. arts a whole lot. But I, but you also think about it like this, like you know, there is the element of you know you need to stop it. You know, sometimes refs will break stuff up, but obviously they felt she was doing enough. But you also think about like if this go, if this was like five rounds. Round four and five, Santos is probably dead tired from trying to fight off of that cage so much. Yeah. And maybe Blanchfield is able to get off more of her stuff. But she was getting lit up early, and maybe she's like, oh, this isn't the game plan that's going to work. Let's control her. 
yeah, it's going to be tough, man, to kind of handicap her in a title fight, potential title fight with like a Shevchenko or Grasso. You know, I think Blanchfield needs to work on the striking defense big time. You know, to me, it looked like she kind of tried to deploy a similar game plan that she did in the Andrade fight, and that is come forward, take one to give one, and hunt mm-hmm. the takedown, right? And she kind of caught Andrade out with that a little bit, um, but it just didn't work here against a top tier, so to speak, of the division and a, a high-level striker. 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 Strikler. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, especially if you look in her next fight, if it is against Garasso and Shevchenko, and both of those ladies have really good counter wrestling, really good uh, takedown defense in mm-hmm. a lot of these positions, but their striking is on this. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. she's going to have to make that, evo- that, that evo- uh, evolution in her game, take that next step. Mm-hmm. And can she do that in one fight? You know what I mean? Right. And, but there is something to what she was able to do against Tayo Santos as far as controlling her yeah. and using her strength to hold on to her you know it depends on you know there could be you know in a five round fight if she's doing that for four or five rounds and nothing else gets off you know as much as we don't like it that's you know that's a strategy that I, I don't works. have a problem with it it's just like there was just not much more there to it than like right. I don't mind if you're gonna hold somebody you know but she couldn't get her down she couldn't find her submission game she wasn't really landing strikes um yeah I don't know and, and I and I guess we can kind of move to the whole thing because she is undefeated that's six straight wins you know she is just 24 she said she wants the title next do you give it to her or again she's 21 or 24 you know maybe it wouldn't hurt for her to have one more the problem is i guess i don't really know who you would give her and you know what actually i say we shelve this conversation for when we get to our picks for ufc france because there's a fight on that card right that i think now more than ever given this performance again i don't want to poo-poo on the performance of aaron blanchfield she got mm-hmm. a win over a very tough tyler santos who a lot of people think lost to valentina shevchenko <laughs> um but I think she left the door open for a fight on this UFC France card. So let's shelve that conversation for there because right. I think there's one to be had there. Yeah, and you know, and we talk about this all the time when they when these when the stuff is in the air. If you don't show, right. you know, you don't have a big performance, you leave the door open, and the door has been left open at this point. Absolutely. Uh, anything else you want to talk about on this card, John? Dude, uh, Nakamura or Naka? Yeah. Oh, uh, Renya Nakamura. Nakamura. Dude. That was a crazy. The wrestling is crazy, but I've never seen somebody go to North South and that's their like start. Like that's where they're trying to work their game off of. But he did it so well controlling, threatened chokes, went to crucifix off of it. Like I've never seen anybody in MMA do that. Yeah. Um, He's going to be a problem, dude. Yeah. A high level wrestler. Junior Taffa. You know what's so funny? Why did, I did not know there was two Taffa. Like I didn't know Junior and Justin Taffa. Like I, it's so funny. They were like talking like everybody knew that and i'm like yeah how did i not know this? well what's funny is junior was supposed to fight on the last card with justin mm. but he got injured or there was a visa issue i don't remember exactly what it was so they were going to debut or they were both going to fight on the same card but what's also funny is parker porter has lost to both of them now yeah so I he's he beat Just- no, no he, he got knocked out by justin Tom. yes he was like almost like a, a walk off similar to this. Yeah. So uh, he's definitely not going to be a fan of any Tafas. Um, but for Junior, dude, he looks like a light heavyweight. He yeah. didn't even look like a heavyweight in there, but the power was heavyweight. Yeah. yeah. Like that's just crazy. Waldo Cortez Acosta. <sighs> what that, a scary knockout. That dude man. might have the fastest overhand right. Because oh. it's like, I mean, he was a major league pitcher, threw 90 something miles an hour, yeah. and he throws that with that right hand, man. That guy's body reaction when he hit that was crazy, too. Oh, dude, and then that chitty fight. Um, I missed that one. That's oh, one I dude. didn't see. Go back Did he and win. No, 
Chitty lost. And if I let you watch, because it, it got over in the first round, if I let you watch the first three minutes, you'd be like, okay, well, where does this happen? Yeah. And he loses. And he wow. he landed some big shots. It was a great fight, a great back and forth. But Man, and you know, and I haven't seen the fight. So, you know, let me let me say that first, because I need to go watch the fight. But again, like, I, I and a callback to last week's episode, right? But when we talk about, you know, a guy like Sean O'Malley, um, when you have all that hype, right? And a guy like Chitty came in with a ton of hype. He got off to a hot start. The UFC's kind of starting to push him a little bit, build him up, and then he, and then, you know, now he's lost what two or two straight? Is that for him? Yeah, I believe so. Um, and, you know, the RoboCop loss feels like he may have three in a row. Three in a row. RoboCop, Durayev, and then yeah. Um, so this, you know, Chitty, Chitty's next fight may not even be in the UFC. And when you have all that hype, man, and it falls, and then you lose one, that's why I say like you can't understate how crazy or not crazy but just how impressive it is that a guy like Sean O'Malley was able to rebuild himself and get back because yeah. you see you know I kept saying like I, I know there's other examples I just can't think but here's one right here with Chitty he wins like, four knockouts in a row and his last three it's been knocked out twice with yeah. one split decision so. it's, it's just when you get off that when you're going and you're building and then you're getting pushed and then the pressure and then you lose it's just can be a tough cycle for for fighters to get out of, man. Yeah, and then, I mean for like a Waldo Cortez Acosta, he's ten and one now in a heavyweight division that doesn't have a lot of people at that ten, you know, twelve that we look at to possibly move up. He he does a really good um, good thing for himself to get in a win like that. Absolutely, John. A quick update on our scores. I am still in first place. Only one point for Max Holloway with 74. Brandon in second, 10 points behind me with 64. He got two points for Max. And John, you are our big mover tonight, or well, today, Monday, <laughs> this past weekend. Uh, you are now at 60, just four points behind uh, Brandon. So getting out of the 50s, uh, you had four points. You called Max perfect. Third round, you got three there and one for Anthony Smith. Yes, you sir. were the, the lone Smith, the lone Lionheart there. So and I almost didn't. like when, I, when he got hit in the eye like that, I was like, oh, man, that first <laughs> round was so good. I was gl definitely glad to see him recover for my sake. Here we go, John. We go again. UFC France this Saturday, September 2nd from the Acor Arena in Paris, France uh, with a main card start time of 3 p.m. Yes. Eastern Standard. Yeah, so another <laughs> another early Saturday card. We love it. We love it. Um, and remember last year as well, this was one of the best crowds all mm -hmm. year. Uh, literally saying the national anthem during <laughs> Surreal Gone's fight. Uh, so I'm expecting nothing less here. And speaking of Surreal Gone, he's back. Back in the main event spot and in our heavyweight uh, main event number two, Saril Gan versus number seven, Sergey Spivak. Um, and let us begin with the former interim heavyweight champ, Bon Gamin. Surreal gone, uh, who since winning the interim title from Derek Lewis back in 2021 has won just one fight in his last three. He lost the title unification bout against Francis Ngannou, beat Tai Tuivasa in UFC's last trip to France one year ago, and most recently, he's coming off the quick submission loss to John Jones for the heavyweight title back in March. His opponent, Sergei Spivak, has been surging his way up the UFC heavyweight rankings with three straight wins coming into this fight. His most recent win was a first-round submission victory over Derek Lewis back in February, um, and oftentimes with guys like Spivak, we would say... But he's coming into his toughest test today, right? But that's not necessarily the case here for Spivak, who has faced guys like Tai Tuivasa, Derek Lewis, as mentioned, uh, and Tom Aspinall mm -hmm. just four fights ago in his last UFC loss. Uh, so there is a lot of experience on the side of Spivak coming into this. Um, 
And on the side of Gone, you know, I feel like the Nganu and Jones losses have done him no favors, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he is uh, the slight betting favorite heading into Saturday. But I feel those losses have kind of sent his stock down in the eyes of most fans. But I also feel like surely, though, and I guess this is my question to you, we haven't seen the ceiling for a guy like Gone, right, though? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I think, But I think that's what fans are battling a little right. bit. Right. Well, and a lot of times when the, with the UFC, though, and they did it with the two of Ossify, but even with this one being in France, you know, him being the headliner because he's from there, usually you see them give them the guy that's going to give the best show. But Spivak isn't that guy. He's he's the polar bear for a reason, yeah. man. He's going to be mauling him the whole time. So this isn't like a a favorable matchup style-wise for him. But it is a chance for him to prove that he's made improvements. Yeah, I agree. Who are you taking? So it's tough for me because Spivak he does this thing where he beats guys. Like he's been kind of like a Marcin Tibera where it's like this guy just – you don't realize that he's gone on the streak he's gone on yeah. and beat the people he's beat. Um, obviously, he's been knocked out by Tom Aspinall, like you said, his last loss. Uh, has a habit of submitting strikers, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also see that Surreal has a similar like flowy striking style as Tom Aspinall, so you could definitely see him darting in and out, hurting him, landing big shots. Um, the problem is, gain, you know, gone. his only two losses have been by guys that have wrestled him. And uh, unfortunately for him, that's what Spivak's going to do. He's going to wrestle. He's going <laughs> to grapple. The question is, if Gon put on them wrestling shoes and been on the mat this whole time yeah. and filled that hole, um, because there's there's definitely a world where he lands a big punch and knocks Spivak out. Um, but he's going to have to improve that that wrestling and that grappling, and it not look as easy. But we're also talking about, you know, a guy, a big guy like Francis. But with John Jones, I mean, that that could happen to almost everybody in the division because sure. he's that good of a grappler. Right. Um, but I do feel like Gon knows that this is his chance, and I feel like he's he's had to have made that investment into filling that hole in his game. So I'm going to take Gon here by third-round TKO. Yeah, I mean, the tough thing in picking against Gon is he's fighting in France, which really seemed to bring the best out of him mm-hmm. that last time out. He looked excellent against Tui Vasa in that fight and even overcame getting dropped by Ty, which a lot of people don't and can't say that. You know what I mean? Um, however, I don't think Spivak is coming in to get into this thudding striking battle with Surreal Gon like mm-hmm. Tui Vasa did. Um, at least I hope not. You know, Spivak has power in decent to okay stand up mm-hmm. uh, but gone is more than capable of staying on the outside and just piecing him up for right. five rounds if need be right mm-hmm. uh, Spivak has uh, I think he has to come in and do what has gotten him here and that is get to that chest on chest clinch uh, chest to chest clinch position and use those outside trips and judo to get gone down and I think he can mm-hmm. you know it, like you mentioned it is no secret that takedown defense has been an issue for gone in his last two losses um, John Jones is one thing but you know the Nganu one does look great especially when he thought gone would have we thought gone would have th- right. the advantage there on the ground right um and not only don't go for a knee bargain yeah well yeah there's been some fight iq stuff as well um and not only in that fight but some others uh we have seen some questionable mm-hmm. iq stuff from uh surreal gone uh, but i think with spivak his takedown abilities trend more towards a john jones level mm-hmm. than a francis and right. if that makes sense you know um in terms of difficulty for surreal gone and i'm not saying it'll be easy for spivak by any means you know he's gonna have to track gone down get to that clinch position and it's gonna be dangerous every time he tries to close the distance mm-hmm. um and i'm sure gone has hopefully been working on the takedown defense uh but to me with how far behind that part of his game has been i just don't know if there's been enough time for him to catch up to a guy like sergey spivak um so if he gets gone down i like spivak's chances to finish and i'll say he gets it done by third round submission yeah i think gone's gonna have to use leg kicks 
you know, try to slow down some of that. And then he's probably working a lot of clinch, like elbow, knee stuff to kind of whenever that does get engaged to try to do that. Because if he is on bottom and Spivak's on top of him, it's going to be very hard for him to get back up. It's always worries me with gone too, is the work ethic is something that has been called into question at times. Mm -hmm. And I think even with maybe his coaches at times, and that worries me a little bit. And, you know, he's a big gamer. He, he's on like a FIFA world ranked team or something like that. And, and on the video game side of things and, yeah, man, maybe that John Jones fight was a bit of a wake up call, and we will see him, you know, super motivated coming into mm -hmm. this again. You know, being in France, like I said, it really did. That was one of his best performances against Tuivasa. Um, and I think even getting knocked down almost adds to that. But we'll see, man. Remains to be seen. Yeah, I mean, a huge opportunity yeah. for Sergey here. Like, if he can pull this off, you know, he just does one of them things. Like, like I said, we just. People don't talk about enough what he's done to get to this point. And if he does this, he's going to put himself in a way different stratosphere. And in the women's flyweight division, number two, Manon Fior versus Rose Nama Yunus. And let us begin with the number two flyweight contender, Manon Fior, uh, because she is one of the top UFC contenders right now in the women's division and all of women's MMA, I'll say. Um, and that is because she dons a 10 and 1 pro record and hasn't lost since her pro debut back in 2018, meaning she is unbeaten in 10 pro MMA fights and five of those being in the UFC, her last five, obviously. Um, and when you look at the ladies that she's beaten in the UFC, it's very impressive. Her last four wins alone were against Tabitha Ricci, Myra Buena Silva, Jennifer Maya, and most recently the always tough Caitlin Chukagian in October of last year. Um, that is a, a lot of not just high-level experienced opponents, but also very experienced UFC opponents as mm -hmm. well. I mean, I mean, her last two opponents alone, Maya and Chukagian, are both former title challengers, right? right? Um, but continuing her theme here, she takes on another super tough opponent, as she will be taking on one of the biggest names in mix women's mixed martial arts against the returning thug Rose Nama Yunus. Rose is returning after over a year on the sidelines, having not fought since losing her strawweight title by split decision to Carla Esparza in May of last year. The former two-time women's strawweight champ is moving up a division for the first time in her professional career as she will be making her flyweight debut here against Manon Fior. Um, and I guess we can start there. You know, what do you make of this decision by Rose to move up a weight class here in her career? It's interesting. I mean, you know, if it, you know, when people do get later into their career, obviously that's more of the trajectory they sure. take. Um, but it, it's interesting because, you know, the power that you're coming up into mm. And, and sometimes she has, and this, what makes me the most nervous about this for her is the, I, I was going to retire. I didn't know if I wanted to fight anymore. And then, but you're also doing this. Okay. I do want to still fight, but now I'm going to go up and I'm going to fight this, uh, this girl that can put me out if I'm not on my game. That's scary. Mm -hmm. But I mean, this does give her a new chance, um, a new batch of opponents, a new chance to kind of rebuild herself. Like we've talked about with Max. So this could be a big opportunity for her. Yeah, she told Ariel Hawani on the MMA Hour that a move up was kind of always a part of the plan. Win, win or lose in that Esparza fight, you know, she also hinted that her body's changing, so maybe kind of insinuating that the cut may be getting a little mm -hmm. bit difficult there. Uh, but ultimately, she said she wants a new challenge and something fresh, in her words, you know, something that kind of scares her is what she said. Um, and I think given her last performance, maybe that's what's kind of missing, a challenge like this. And maybe that does bring kind of the best out of her. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning, you know, this fight makes things interesting as we just talked about with uh Blanchfield winning that fight you know given 
Manon Fior's ranking in the division and the name and the star power of Rose Namajunas, who is also a former two-time champ, you have to believe winner could also be an instant bang-on contender to face the winner of a uh, of the rematch between Valentina mm-hmm. and Alexa Garasso. Um, and I think now more than ever, given what we just saw in the Blanchfield fight, that you know if one of these ladies goes out, impresses, gets a quick finish. Blanchfield may get leaped a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I was kind of getting to uh, when when I said, you know, we'll shelve this was there's not, if you give Blanchfield one more, it's like, well, who do you give her? And the same thing could be made here in this case. But I think no matter who wins, loses, or loses this fight, Blanchfield could face the loser of this fight. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's still a tough test, another tough contender for her. Um, now we have to see the performance, right? Because it, it's going to take one of these women to impress, to leap, Blanchfield at this mm-hmm. point, um, but especially for Manon Fior, man. I don't know, though, because like I said, Rose is a huge... She is probably one of the, if not the biggest names in women's mixed martial arts, so right. if she goes out, knocks Manon Fior out in round one, I mean, how do you deny her? You know, right. it's, it's, the UFC is going to have to really think about that one, but then that could, if she does that, again, you could get Blanchfield Fior for whoever's next. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just don't think there needs to be a super rush for Blanchfield, and I think there's things in her game that she could still improve on mm-hmm. before she takes that first tough test against the champion. Right. No, I agree. I think that there's a lot of a lot of room there, and, and we also don't know what happens with you know, Shevchenko and Garasso, you yeah. know, Shevchenko could win and retire. She could win and then they want to do a, a trilogy because of how the first fight, like you never know how yeah. all that shakes out. She could want to move up. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, I mean, I talked about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, like Rose and Valentina, man, I would love to see something like that. So I think you're right there where if she pulls off a win, I, I feel basically based off the last performance too, how many more people are signing up to see Rose fight a Garasso or Valentina right. compared to a Blanchfield who might just, you know, if she uses that same tactic, I mean, Rose is already coming off of a snoozer with yeah. her and Carla. So. I did not. Let me say this. I give John grief for not rewatching fights. I did not rewatch that. Fight. Yeah, no, <laughs> not when you're getting up at eight in the morning today to watch fights. I did not rewatch. Don't need to see that. Again. Um, with, with Fiore, you know, powerful striker. She's going to get a home field fight here. Uh, being closer to that has some huge wins, obviously over Jakagian, like you said, Maya Bruno Silva, who obviously now is putting herself in a different spot, uh, seems to be damaging every time she lands. I do like Rose, um, and she has fights against Andrade, who has been up to flyweight before, so she knows that you know she can stick and and done it at a good well because for. Andrade, she's obviously fought for a title, beat Jakagian, beat Lauren Murphy. So she's beat some of the good flyweights. So she knows she can be up there on a skill-wise. I think for me, what it is for Rose is, um, can she get out the mental side? Like I said, talking about not being sure if she's going to keep fighting and her kind of always battling this, you know, do I want to do this or not thing. It's scary when you're getting in there with a girl who can kick your head off. Um, so for this one, I'm actually going to take Fior here by third round TKO. I think she's just going to be a little too much. And if Rose is not on her game, it's going to be a really tough fight for her. Yeah. And as far as real quick too, as far as that whole, you know, what's next, who fights who, uh, we will shelf shelf that conversation yeah. for next week. So come back next week. And once we see how this plays if out, this one's is a snoozer too. It's going to be wide open. We'll talk. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Let's see what happens. We'll talk about it next week. But yeah, I mean, no matter what happens in this fight, you have to give Rose so much respect for moving up and taking a debut fight in a 
a new weight class like this. Mm -hmm. This is as risky as it gets and a super tough opponent, uh, but it's Rose Namajunas, and in terms of her technical abilities, I have no worries about her uh, being able to compete in this fight. I think her best chances in this fight could be on the ground. Um, you know, we've seen her competing at ADCC mm -hmm. trials and things like that. She's definitely focusing on the jiu-jitsu, it seems like, in this last year. Um, I will also say, though, look out for a Rose head kick. Uh, she obviously ended Wei Lee with one, and Jennifer Maya had a lot of success landing uh, with some big head kicks on Manon Fior. Um, but yeah, I, I think I have to go Manon Fior here, man. I think, um, as I said, I think Rose may need to get this fight down and create scrambles, but Fior has excellent takedown defense as well. Um, Jennifer Maya, she had a hundred percent takedown defense until that Jennifer Maya fight. I think she right. took her down once. Um, Fior also has some sneaky good takedowns, uh, should she need them herself. But I think the biggest reason I'm going Fior is the size, strength, and physicality problem that I think she's going to create for Rose in this matchup. Uh, Fior is one of the bigger flyweights. Um, I mean, to have a win over Bueno Silva, who's a legitimate bantamweight right. at, at the highest level right now, too, um, regardless of her current, yeah, you know, we'll yeah, yeah. Uh, just shows how tough Manon Fiore is. Um, and we've seen Rose get kind of bullied around, man. You know, I know you said the whole Jessica Andrade thing, but look at that fight with Andrade, both of them. Even the second one was really close. Um, cause Andrade does have flyweight experience and we kind of saw Andrade kind of bully her around a little bit. You get you know? slammed via Kimura. I mean, right now I do think, I mean, I know that Rose has uh, taken her time and I'm sure she's done the right things to prepare her body go, to go up. But again, this is one of the toughest draws that I think she could have had in yeah, terms of going up. I think you're fighting a flyweight who could fight Bantam. Yeah. Whereas she's going to be a flyweight who probably should sure. still be a straw weight. So yeah. And, and again, also extended credit to Rose for taking this in Manon's home country as well. Yeah. Like, there's just so many factors that are adding up. Um, and even as popular as Rose is, I think this crowd is going to be heavily on the oh, side yeah. of Manon Fior. Um, and I say this respectfully, but we know fight week that things have affected Rose's performances, mm -hmm. things that play out fight week, right? You kind of mentioned the mental side of things. Um, so how does she maybe handle a hostile crowd? How does that affect her, which is something, you know, I can't recall Rose ever walking into an arena and not being the crowd favorite. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, most crowds are very pro thug Rose. Uh, but I like, um, but then also too, likewise for, for Fior, uh, she can't let this moment and the pressure get too big for her either. She's facing a superstar in her own country. That's a lot for a young contender on the verge of a title shot. Yeah. Uh, so how does she handle that? You know, we shall see. But I think I will lean Fior on her strength and physicality in this fight. And again, in, in terms of technique, both of these ladies are as sound and high level as it gets. So I'm looking at these outside advantages. And for me, again, all of them point back to Manon Fior. Um, I think she gets it done by decision. Um, Rose is super tough. And, and um, you know, Manor, Manon has hasn't been finishing as of late and I think finishing Rose could be tough for her yeah and I put uh, a lot of my pick also goes to the amount of respect I have for somebody like Jakagian who has beat pretty much everybody else in the division outside the champion yeah and to be able to, to you know have that fight with her Bruno Silva Jennifer Meyer like those type of performances at that weight but the Jakagian one is the one that got me to think okay this girl's legitimate and let me also add and I guess kind of get your thoughts I think Rose can and will be successful at flyweight but I just think that she may need a fight or two to adjust to this weight class um, but I was kind of also thinking you know there really isn't a great case study on this because just off the top you know we've seen guys like John Jones and Conor McGregor go straight up to a new weight class and win titles in their first fights but then we've also seen other amazing champions and Izzy and Volk move up and not be so successful right. um, and we can even add Conor to that right as well he went up to welterweight and it wasn't successful in his first fight um, 
and I guess I don't really know how much there is to that or exactly where I want to go with it, uh, but I do think uh, matchups play into a lot of it. And again, I just feel like on paper, at least, this is just a tough matchup for Rose. Um, but again, I do think she can eventually be successful at this weight. I mm -hmm. think she just needs to get there and feel it. And I, I actually think Joanne Wood brought this up as well and just was kind of like, I just, I think it might be too much for her. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how she carries weight up yeah. and, and what that does to her speed or if, if that still translates up right. there. And um and but we haven't seen it as much in women's MMA yeah. outside of Valentina having to go down obviously after like the Amanda fights because you know Bantamweight was just a little bit too big for her yeah and and obviously for women's too though is we talk about them really needing like an Antum weight and like some like these smaller sure. ones because they have trouble getting up to these weights whereas yeah. you know some of these men have a little bit more issue you know making the lower weights so yeah. it, it could be an interesting it could start a trend you know for some of these other straw weights that maybe want to have a, a chance going up so yeah. we'll just have to see how it shakes out and if she handles it man if rose goes out handles her business even just gets a finish over Manon Fior, I, I just, I really have a feeling she's going to leap, leap Blanchfield, man. How, if you're the UFC, that iron is going to be so hot, regardless of what happens in Garasso and Shevchenko. People are going to be screaming for Rose to be next, because she's just so massive, man. Right. Um, she's kind of slid, slid into that lane that Joanna left open. Yeah. Yeah. As far as like that fan favorite, you want to see them fight whoever at any time. Also on this card, Chiago Moisés versus Benoit Saint-Denis. Uh, this is a fantastic matchup against two unranked lightweights that I think could have real top 15 implications on it, especially for Saint-Denis, who I really like in this fight, you know, especially coming off that impressive win over Ishmael Bonfim. It's two months ago. Yeah, but Moisés is a crafty vet, you know, who's been in there with the best guys in this division, including uh, Islam Akhachev. Uh, but I do like Saint Denis here in this fight. Yeah, I do too. I, I We're not officially picking yeah. for it, but I do like Saint Denis. Very impressed by him and another one of the the French guys that are going to get a chance to yeah. to show out. Absolutely, John. Let's get into the news. Going on the news. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. We now have some interesting answers to some big questions we had after Sean O'Malley's win over Aljamain Sterling at UFC 292. Obviously, there are multiple options for who O'Malley will fight next, but there's been some comments made by the contenders and the champ that seem to shine some light on how things might play out. Uh, former champion Aljamain Sterling has made a statement saying that he wants the rematch against O'Malley in 2024. Uh, he thinks the fight was stopped early. He said it's a game of inches, and he thinks that he could get it done if they get a fight an another time. Obviously, if that happens, now the number one contender, Marab Dwells, really has another situation where he has to make a tough decision. Then he made it where he said that he would be willing to step aside for Aljamain to get the rematch and even wait up to a year to get his title fight just to let Aljamain get that. But before I go on, how long do you think Marab, as, as close as they are, how long is he going to let Aljamain just stall his career out? Dude, so, uh, yeah, no, that that's actually what I had in my notes to bring up. So... Here's my stance on this. Love, love, love the Marab Aljo bromance, right? And I think in a time in this sport where we don't get this a whole lot, we don't see it a whole lot, um, it's very refreshing. And I yeah. and I love that Marab has, you know, kind of stayed ten toes down, so to speak, for Aljo. Loyal. He's held him down. He's stayed loyal to him. He's never swayed. He's still not swaying. Right. But this cannot be a one way street. Mm -mm. And, and I feel like Aljo has made this a one-way friendship in terms of at what point, if Marab has held Aljo down for all these, what, you know, this, this year or two that he's held the belt, mm -hmm. when does Aljo step aside and allow Marab That's to what step this was supposed to light? be, right? That, that's what it was supposed to be. 99.9%. 
love Aljo, man. This is nothing, you know, against him personally, but I feel like in this case, just in this case, he's being a little selfish. Mm-hmm. And and um, it, but at the same time, let me also say it's it's hard. I, that's what fighting is. I yeah. feel like you have to be a little bit selfish, which is why, again, I don't think we see many of these like kind of bromance things play out too much anymore mm-hmm. because it, it is a selfish thing, and you have to be somewhat selfish for yourself. Um, but yeah, man, at some point, when does Marab start being selfish? It, apparently, he's not going to be. Um, but to me, I just I feel like this friendship, at least in terms of the fighting side, I'm, this is nothing against their personal friendship. At least in terms of how it plays out in fighting has kind of been a one-way street and that is Marab stepping aside for Aljo as opposed as opposed to Aljo who like we mentioned last week could walk away from this bantamweight division he is the greatest bantamweight of all time to this point he has nothing more to prove he's left the division better than he found it and he can move aside and allow Marab this opportunity um and yeah man for Marab like a guy that again he's dealt with a lot of injuries a Mm -hmm. lot of setbacks in his own career um you can't take too many more of those, man. The, you know, one thing that Dana says that I agree with all the time is your window in this sport is so small. Mm-hmm. It is a small window, and when you get that window of opportunity, you have to jump through it. Um, and especially now when the UFC and everything is moving so fast. We have fights every week. Contenders are being made every single week in this sport. Mm-hmm. It gets hard for us to sometimes keep up with it. Oh, where it's dude. like, number one contender, and the next week you're like, nope, number one contender. And it's, Well, uh, let me ask you this. Do you, like, off the top of your head, because I, I, in this moment, I can't think of it. Who was Marab's last fight? Was it, uh, it was, um, was that Piotr Aldo? Jan? Or you, uh, was, it, was it Jan or was it Aldo? I can't remember. I, I, I want to say it was Piotr Jan. But what I'm saying with that is, you know, it's not a super memorable performance, you know, your last one. It, it was. I mean, it was, at the it, time, but it, I'm saying now yeah. you've set. And now you're giving guys like a Henry Cejudo or some of these right. other guys a chance. So, well, to, he is injured. I mean, it is right. worth mentioning that. And for Marab, I will say in his in his defense, um, you know, he can face a Henry Cejudo, and that's still a massive fight right. if he wins that. But it's a risky fight, man. Yeah, that is a super risky fight, and there's no guarantee you're going to beat a guy like Henry Cejudo just because Aljo is. And if you lose that fight. Right, you're out. That's, I mean, this that's is why ban- I asked that too because this is the bantamweight division, man. There, there's a chance that you know you put your, you do the, all this to not get a chance at a title, yeah. and like eventually there's going to be a form of bitterness there because yeah, you, like you said, this has been a little one sided, and it, it's not been no. a thing that's paying off for Marab yeah. very well here. I would say not a little one. It's been very, and that's what I'm saying. This was Aljo's chance to be like, you know what, my guy Marab over here, he stayed loyal. It's his time. He's held me down, and you know, I, I I lost this opportunity, this chance, and now it's his chance, and he didn't, man. And right. that to me. I think it's a little wrong. I, that's I, I'm just I'm gonna call it how I see it. In right. my in my opinion, you know, this is between him and Marab to figure out. And, and like I said, it sounds like Marab's willing to concede, which that's their business. But again, if you're Marab now, you can't go crying if you know Aljo loses now, maybe the rematch again, and then the UFC doesn't put you in that spot, mm-hmm. especially if you do lose to somebody like Henry Cejudo or Corey Sanhagen or something like that. Right. So to add to move into that. O'Malley wants to fight in December. He's not waiting sure. until 2024 for Al Jermaine to be ready right. to fight again. So that would leave Marlon Chito Vera and Henry Cejudo as possible opponents with Marab stepping to the side. I mean, Marab could. I did see Marab say he would fight him in December. I, I, I But that was before he said the one-year thing. So, right. And kind of before Aljo had made his... Um, I'm going to come back right. statement. So uh, here's, and but here's what I will also say is even if Mirab was a potential for the UFC, say they were considering Mirab and Cheeto, 
again, could not blame the UFC if they're like, well, hey, if you're willing to wait a year, Cheeto it is. And then right. you've just given up that opportunity. Um, and again, man, like I said, I can't say it enough. Like Dana says, when you have that small window, man, if you shut it for yourself, you can only be mad at yourself. Well, and the problem, too, is he's he's trying to get a title shot based on his record and his work. Right. He's just trying to stay But the problem the is, is with him playing this game with Aljo, yeah. he's going to get passed by these guys who have storylines because that's what sells. Sure. Cheeto is a storyline. Cejudo is an easy sell storyline. Yeah. Um, obviously, Cheeto and, and Cejudo have both been you know, chirping back with O'Malley trying to get this fight. And although O'Malley originally said he wanted Cheeto to be his first defense, He's also kind of backtracked saying Cheeto needs to chill out before I give this fight to Cejudo. Yeah. Um, so who knows how this shakes out? Because there's also a world where Marab waits um, and O'Malley loses in December. And now Aljo has no reason to still yeah. try to fight for the title. But maybe he missed a chance because now Corey Sanhagen is, you know, healthy. And like he just puts himself in a really I mean, this whole yeah. thing is like this. It's not even a love triangle. It's like five, six people. Yeah. But everybody's decisions are affecting everybody. And it could make it for a very big mess at the top. Well, the problem, though, is everybody else in the situation is making decisions for themselves, including Aljamain Sterling, and there's mm -hmm. one guy who's not, and that's Marab Dwalashwili. He's making decisions based off of what Aljo wants to do, and that's why when you look at everybody in this situation, I hate to say it, but it's almost like the cliche, like, nice guys finish last, yeah. and all these other guys are going to keep putting themselves ahead of Marab because he's okay to just be here. Like, I'm okay to just be here. Right. Um, and you can't be like that, man, in the UFC. Again, I, I love that they've stayed loyal. And I, and I love to see it and especially through this time while Aljo was champion I think mm -hmm. that was awesome it was great it was a great storyline in and of itself right. right it gave us the red jacket and all that stuff yeah. um, but man now that now to me now that the strap is off Aljo's waist all I mean yeah, well all, it, it should all all bets should be off the table like it's wide open if Marab wants to step into that but he didn't he had a chance to make a statement and say I want it and he said I'll wait right and it becomes you know even if you're Aljo there's a chance you can kind of rebound a little bit if say O'Malley did lose to like a Marab or somebody yeah. and say oh I just want the win back against O'Malley I don't sure. want the title there's a chance he could do that but if he's still on this I want the title back thing regardless of who has it yeah. that could be very you know there's going to reach a point for Marab where he's going to have to decide, you know, am I just going to have to step up and say, hey, whatever, it doesn't matter what you want. Yeah. I got to do what's best for my career because sure. he could get hurt training and then now all this yeah. is for not. Anything can happen. That's why, again, that's why you got to take your chances when you get them. Yeah. Um, title, uh, how we talked about earlier, title contender Myra Buno Silva <clears throat> is looking to get her impressive, is looking at getting her impressive victory over Holly Holm overturned after failing a post-fight drug test. Silva saying that the substance that she popped for is consistent with the prescription medication she takes for ADHD and that she's fully co cooperating with USADA and the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Um, we haven't really seen this on, yeah. on that side of like, we've seen certain supplements, but sure. like for like a, a medication for like a, a ADHD or something like that, that's not something we've ever really seen people pop for. Sure. So it'll be interesting to see if this goes through or if this gets looked at the same way as like a, a human growth hormone yeah. or, or something else. Yeah. Uh, but she, you know, kind of puts a little bit of stain on that win that she had because now yeah. this is going to hold her up some. Sure. Um, and as if 293 didn't need any more issues with oh. the strength of the card, they now lose one of the few big names that they had on it outside of Izzy as it was announced by Kai Kara France that he'll be out of his scheduled fight against yeah. Manil Kopp after suffering a concussion. 
This makes for seven bouts canceled for Cobb and this three guy. in a row after Alex Perez, Davison Figueroa, and now um, Kai Kara. Manel does still have an opponent, though, in Felipe Dos Santos. Yeah. <laughs> Making his UFC debut, yeah. baby. Um, I mean, couldn't feel worse for somebody uh, like Manel. And then even for Kai Kara to lose on a chance to fight in Australia, yeah. that can't be good for him. Um, it was concussion, right? Is yeah, concussion. And, I mean, that's a tough dude. For He's sitting out for a concussion. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's no shame in sitting out for that man. That right. stuff's got to be taken serious. Uh, free agent Michael Venom Page did an interview with David Adesanya. Uh, in it, Page said that if he were to sign with the UFC, he'd want to be fast-tracked in the same fashion as Michael Chandler was, saying he doesn't need to prove himself and wants a top five or top ten opponent. In response, though, Shavkat Rachmanov responded on X saying, how about number six? Yeah. And that prompted some people to say, oh, MVP now re-signs with Bellator yeah. uh, as a joke. But what I want to ask you is who is somebody you would love to see Michael Page get his first fight in the UFC against? Yeah, so <clears throat> shout out to the UG. Um, we actually ran like a little thing on there kind of asking that. Uh, I think to me, like Wonder Boy would, is, is mm-hmm. the biggest one. I think that would be phenomenal. And I actually put on there, you know, I think Wonder Boy first and then Ian Gary next year. Like let Ian Gary get whoever um, at Madison Square Garden. If he wins that fight, say mm-hmm. if, you know, MVP was to beat Wonder Boy at the end of the year, you know, to do Ian Gary versus Michael Venom Page oh. next year in Ireland when Michael Venom Page, MVP's from uh, England, the UK, right. and Gary from Ireland, that would just be a massive, massive fun fun fight um and yeah I, I think it would be i think it'd be great but yeah him versus wonder boy I, sign me up for that i think it'd yeah. be a great fight yeah and, and you know I, I didn't put this in there but wonder boy did make a comment about what he has going down the pipe and how you know they they talked about possibly Usman, and he yeah. kind of seems like he wants to hold out for that because it's a easier track to sure. getting to the title uh shavka obviously doesn't have an opponent right now he's been yeah. looking for somebody but i think michael page would just bring such a big uh, yeah. excitement into the division because the potential matchups, but even at the very top, him and Leon Edwards in London, yeah, you don't get bigger than that. Oh, yeah. And in welterweight around the world. So. Yeah, you could definitely do a fast track with MVP, though. At the end of the day, you know, much like we saw with Alex Pedeta, you could give him, I mean, theoretically to me, honestly, sitting here, I don't see any problem with if, you know, and it would all have to work out and everybody would have to win fights and this and that, da, da, da. you know, if MVP, given his history and where he's coming from and what he's already achieved in the sport, if he beat Wonderboy, Ian Gary, you, I think you could give him uh, Leon Edwards off of that, you know, especially right. if it lined up to do a big UK card. I mm-hmm. mean, there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. Even off of a just a Wonder Boy win, he could be a backup or something. Like he yeah, has that pedigree. Didn't Alex Pedeta get Izzy off of Sean Strickland? Yeah, yeah. So like to me, you beat Ian Gary. That's not much different than like Alex beating a Sean Strickland. Right. You know and what then I mean? for for Michael Chandler, they were letting him be the backup his first fight. He sure. was he could have he had came in right. He yeah. could have came in with a title shot. So yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. So. Yeah, I agree, though. I, at the end of the day, in terms of the statement, is I agree. I think no matter who you give him, fast-track him, give him the right matchups, you know, let's try to get a big title fight if it can work out with him and Leon because, again, you know, Leon's – I don't even know what's going on with this welterweight division. That that in and of itself sounds right. like a complete and total, total nightmare. You still have Bilal sitting there. Um I don't even know what they're doing with this division yeah. right now, man. It makes no sense. Yeah, they have a lot. They got a lot of stuff to get figured out. But when Colby's involved, there's a lot of chaos. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I tell you what, Colby's not going to be involved in, and that's a John Jones pay per view, <laughs> right? So, um, and it seems like with Michael Page that you know, although he hasn't signed with the UFC, everything he's done has been yeah. flirting with them. So. I'm I'm a little surprised. I thought we would have got that by now. I feel like they 
would have signed. I figured they would have signed him by now, mm-hmm. but yeah, still nothing. That's I'm a little interested by that. Yeah, and lastly, PFL now has their finalists for their million-dollar season finale. The last four tickets were stamped as Magomed, Magomed Kermanov. Is that Karimov? Magomed, Magomed, Magomed Karimov, yeah. Yeah, uh, will face Sadabusi and Olivier Abun Mercier. Olivier Abin Mercier. Yeah. Olivier, I just OA. OA. Well, I had to try it first because I figured you'd give me crap if Olivier I said OAM. Olivier Abin Mercier. Um, but OAM will be facing Clay Collard. Uh, all four of those guys put their got won their matches. Now with all meet in DC for the million dollar final. Yeah, Clay Collard beating Shane Burgos, man. Uh, what Crazy a fight. fight! Yeah, fun fight, and you know Clay Collard just continues to be the UFC killer. You know, he's beat now Shane Burgos, Anthony Pettis, and Jeremy Stevens. Um, I told you, you know, him and OAM are two guys that, though I don't think we will see it, would love to see those two get another crack because I think they could come in and actually compete in the top 15 of the lightweight division if they both got a second chance now. Dude, Clay Collard gives me Justin Gaethje vibes. Yeah, he's fun, man. He's a great boxer. And dude, to have that type tough. of head movement with your legs pretty much kicked off. Yeah. If you go back to his first fight this season against Nishikawa, uh, Yamaoto Nishikawa, Nishikawa did the same thing to him, just kicked his mm-hmm. legs out from under him, and still he found a way to win that fight, just you know, kept coming forward. He's just tough as nails, man. And then his post-fight, you know, you just get into this huge banger of a fight where it's yeah. like, a fight, like a, a fight of the year candidate, definitely for PFL. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, man, you know, I'm just ready to... I, uh, so if you go to the, the MMA Underground a couple weeks ago, I interviewed Clay, and... Super cool guy, nice guy, but yeah, he is not one, I don't think, for interviews. Uh, he's just, uh, he's very, uh, uh, I think he's, he's just a unique guy, man. Yeah. Very, very, nothing wrong with it, but uh, yeah, not one for words. He just, I think he just genuinely loves to fight, man, and that's, you know, the media stuff just kind of comes with it, and he understands that, and he does it, but uh, yeah, he's, he's just a different breed, man. Who do you like between him and OAM? I mean, you know, as OAM, the defending champ, it's hard not to go OAM in that fight. Um, but he was getting hit a little bit early in yeah, his fight. But Clay, that's the thing, man, and that's what that's why I love this matchup. Um, I'm glad they're finally getting to match up. It's it's an intriguing, it's a very very interesting one. Um, I, I don't know, man. I still ever so slightly want to lean OAM, but. Mm-hmm. Just and, and again, just because of how tough the PFL format is with turning right. around so fast, and for a guy like Clay, man, his legs were so beat up. I just I don't know how much he's really. I mean, how much training you're gonna be able to do by? I think it's November. Right. I think it's uh, Thanksgiving weekend. They usually I think they announce. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. It's a tough one. Uh, Sadabusi is gonna have a tough one there Oof. against Magomed Karimov. I believe. I believe Magomed Karimov is the, he's already beat C. I think that'll be a rematch. Let me look that up real quick. Yeah, Sadabu, he's he's definitely um, not that he necessarily. There's there's a level of it could have got away with one in his fight too because he just really struggled um, with the takedown and getting back up off of his back. And Magomed is somebody who's definitely going to be looking to do that. You could tell yeah. sitting cage side, he was kind of licking his chops at another chance to basically do that some more. Yeah, so Magomed Karimov has a win over C. He beat him back in 21, 2021 in, in the PFL by decision. So, But Sadabu does have that at any moment. I could put you out with a, a highlight. So Yeah, absolutely. So he gets his rematch. Um, I know when I interviewed him for the, the MMA Underground, I asked him, you know, if he wanted that fight back, like as you know, mm-hmm. if he liked the fresh matchup or do you want that rematch? Um, he wasn't too concerned with either of them. Um, 
so you can take that for what it is. I just, right. you know, it's it's just a tough matchup, right? You know, because yeah. at the time it was uh, Magomed, Magomed Karamov versus Magomed. Um, who who's the other Magomed? He was supposed to fight. It was two Magomeds yeah. essentially. Um, but uh, you know, it's like who wants to sign up to fight anybody with Magomed in their right. name to begin with? And so. I, and I think for PFL, looking at how this all shook out, yeah. they really came out well sure. off of how bad it looked early with all the suspensions and stuff like that. Yeah. Even in those divisions where you know people ended up getting dropped off, those divisions, I think those finals still shook yeah. out how they should have. One more thing before that's that it for the yeah. news. One more thing, I just thought of something interesting for Michael Venom Page. The whole MVP stuff is you know, in terms of what's holding it up is like, is it a money thing? Which mm -hmm. then in lies, you know, makes you wonder for some of these, you know, guys that, you know, is the grass always greener on the other side? You know, maybe, maybe yeah. as he's testing these free agent waters, it's not, there's not as much money as maybe he thought there would be mm -hmm. for a Michael Venom page. So I don't know, just something I was just, he might about. be waiting for matchups to shake out to see what he could get for his first, sure. you know, who knows? Song of the week was supposed to be Brandon. Uh, Brandon is at a bachelor party, I believe, this weekend. So I will take that. And I think it has to be the Cranberry Zombie. Mm. I mean, given given how that all shook out today, I, I think it has to go to that. So yeah. that's our song of the week. John, what's your one for the people? Uh, one for the people. Survive. I survived this week, man. It was a tough one for me. Real hot. Uh, I haven't talked about the heat for a while, but this week, I'm, this week I'm going to let it off because, geez, man. Yeah, it was a definitely a hot week here in the Midwest. I think it was all over the country, really. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we definitely survived. I don't think I have anything, man. It's uh, it's just been a slow week. Uh, it's it's good, though. Like I, I, I kind of needed it a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but I'm excited to get back into – uh, the kickback again, hopefully right. working on some YouTube content. Yeah. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, hopefully we'll have some YouTube content and stuff for everybody. So make sure you come back next Saturday. We will recap UFC fight night. Paris won't have any picks because we will have the Friday kickback show to mm -hmm. do that. Um, but we will have some news and all that, all the happenings as always until then we will see you guys next Friday, Peace. Peace. Or next Monday, <laughs> next Monday. Peace. Peace.